Well, again, we're so glad you're here, and uh, we'd love to have you back next week for that beginning of that new series. And as they're still uh, collecting here, uh, I will just jump right into it. This week, uh, man, something really tragic really happened uh, in our world, and uh, maybe not in the sense, and and I don't say this because it it, it is just a building. Uh, It wasn't people's lives who were lost. But man, it was pretty tragic to see what happened at the Notre Dame Cathedral uh, and, and just to see the destruction. And I remember, you know, when it first came up that the flames were still going and, and seeing the pictures and the video and going, man, there's just really not much you can do. Uh, you, you, you do your best, but when something, a fire gets that out of control, you, you're kind of helpless in that moment. And you just kind of got to let it play out and do your best to get it out. And, and they did. They were able to get it put out and, and salvage some of the building. But it's going to be many years before they can bring that building back to life. And it will never be the same from the way it was before. But I thought it was very awesome and very symbolic as we were in Passion Week and leading up to Easter that one of the first pictures they got when they got inside the building was a cross in the midst of all the destruction. In the midst of the ashes, there the cross stood, symbolic for really what the cross stands for because the cross before Jesus died on it was a symbol of crucifixion. And now today it's a symbol of resurrection. It's a symbol of what we follow, and it was very symbolic to all of us today that triumph can come through tragedy because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for us. Isaiah 61 says that God can take the ashes and make something beautiful from it. And this temple and and cathedral will be rebuilt. It will be rebuilt. It'll be different. It won't be the same, but it'll be beautiful again, and God will continue to do awesome things through that. And it can be the same way in your life where you may feel like your life is in ruins and the ashes of your life and it will be different than it was before, but God can bring new life even from death. So today I want to talk to you about those questions that we all have sometimes, that we've all asked the question of where is God? Why didn't God show up? Why isn't God doing something now? Why didn't he do something then? And and, and those questions are, are very uh, appropriate in, in certain situations of our life. And, and God welcomes those questions. He's not afraid of them. He wants us to be honest with him. But sometimes, despite our most passionate prayers, right, God doesn't show up the way that we wanted him to. The, the cancer isn't cured. The, the company still failed. Uh, the relationship still ended. There, there was no healing, and, and hope seemed to be lost. But today I want you to know that Jesus cared so much about these questions that we would have that we would all have at some point that he didn't just write a sermon or tell another parable or story to get his point across. He actually walked through a real life situation with someone that he loved, with someone that he cared about today to prove to you who he is, to prove to you that if you believe that God can bring life from death. In John chapter 11, John is giving his account of the gospel, of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John was the last living disciple of Jesus. One of the proofs that we have really uh, for, for Jesus and his resurrection, despite skeptics, one of the greatest proofs that we have were these men on the night that Jesus were 
was betrayed, they all ran in fear for their life. If you remember, Peter denied Christ three times. He said, I don't, I don't know that guy. They had already seen him do this miracle we're going to talk about today. They've seen him do many others. They, they believed that he was the Son of God, but they, they were still fearful. But then Jesus, right, does the impossible. He predicts his own death and resurrection, And Jesus comes back from the dead. These minutes scatter. He reassembles them, gives them an assignment and and a mission for their future. And then all of these men were then martyred for their faith except for John. John was the last one left. And John is dictating this account of Jesus' life and his miracles. And if you've never read through John's book, I would encourage you to do so. It's very enlightening to see the perspective that he had, the hope that he had, despite seeing his friends die. Despite seeing God not show up and save them. But these men who were once running in fear were all willing to give their life for the man, the son of God, who predicted his own death and resurrection. So John's giving his account of a story that we find in chapter 11. And it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This is the Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who, per, who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I think it was interesting that they didn't say, hey, Lazarus is sick. That Jesus was so close with this family, that he was so tight with them, that, that they said, the one you love. They didn't even have to mention Lazarus' name. He, he would know it was Lazarus. That's how close he was. Jesus had healed many strangers and done many miracles for others, but this one was personal. These were people he did life with. These were the ones that he loved. Goes on and says, so when Jesus heard this, we would think immediately, oh, he's sick, you gotta go. It says, Jesus said this, this sickness will not end in death. Oh, thank God. Lazarus isn't gonna die. No, it's gonna be for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And then John mentions again, The love that Jesus had for them. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus because it was important because of what was coming next. He loved them, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? He's sick. He's dying. It's desperate. They sent for you, and he stayed two more days. Sometimes we feel like that in our situations, don't we? That God just isn't moved by our situation. Otherwise, he would have done something. That he wasn't moved by what you were going through. That that he remained silent. That he stayed where he was and he didn't move. But today I want to tell you and what this story will prove to you is that God's delays are not God's denials. That there will be times that he delays, but there's a purpose to it. Because Jesus wasn't interested in another healing at this point in his ministry. He is going to go back to Jerusalem where he is going to be killed and crucified for you and me. And he's on his way and he's setting up his own resurrection. And he says, listen, I'm not interested in another healing. I'm interested in a resurrection. I want to do something that's going to prove to everyone who sees and to those who will hear this story like you are today. That I am who I say I am. It says, so then they went back. So then Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus is now dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Look at your neighbor and say, so that. That's a purpose statement, okay? So he's saying, I didn't do what you thought I was going to do, because there's a purpose 
to what I'm doing. I'm working behind the scenes. You guys see through a different lens. Your vantage point is not the same as me. And so I did so, so that I would be glorified, that you would believe. And he said, but let's go to him now. So there's a reason behind what I'm doing. Today, you can rest assured that despite what you're going through, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. He hasn't forgotten you. That his delays are not his denials. That there's a purpose, and the purpose of all of our lives Once we receive Christ, and I realize some of you may be here today that you've never really put your faith in Jesus, but for those who are followers of Jesus, our lives take on a new meaning when we begin to follow him. And your story is now for his glory. There's a purpose to your life that Jesus did something remarkable through Lazarus' life and his death because it was on center stage for everybody to see that there was the point of your life is now the point to Christ and what he did for us on the cross and whatever you are going through, whatever you are doing in life, God wants to be glorified through it because the whole thing is his. And so we got to get a big picture for our life. Pain narrows our perspective. We can't see above it and around it. And somehow we got we to rise above the pain. You can't just focus on one chapter of your story. you got to trust in the one who knows the beginning from the end who knew you before you were even a thought in your parents' mind and and had a plan for your life, that you trust in him, the author of your story. He has the pen, and you may feel like it's over. You may feel like the story is ending in this chapter, but it's not. God's still writing. Don't put a period today where God has put a comma in your life. Don't throw in the towel on your faith. Verse 7, it says, Then he said to his disciples, let's go back now. And they arrive, and Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This was significant. There were some superstitions in that culture that three days you could possibly come back from the dead, but, but four, there was no chance. So Jesus waits four days to, to get rid of all those superstitious beliefs. So Lazarus is there. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. You want to know why? Because she was mad. She was angry. Now he shows up. He, missed, he, he didn't even show up for the funeral. Now he shows up. And Martha, as soon as she gets to Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And maybe you have a situation like that or you had a situation. If God just would have showed up, he didn't show up for me, Kyle. He left me hanging when I needed him the most. And that's what Martha is feeling. But yet despite her feelings, she doesn't rely on what she feels She relies on her faith. She relies on what she believes. And then immediately she says, if you would have shown up, God, if you would have been here. But then she says, but, but, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And I'm telling you, for the dead to live, you got to have even now kind of faith. For the dead areas of your life, to be resurrected, you got to have even now kind of faith. That It's faith that despite our circumstances, we, we rise above what we feel and lean on what we believe. We choose to believe despite what we see. 
Even now, we believe what, what is going on. We, we look to Jesus and we go, even now, you can move. You will move. You will work. You will redeem. You will rescue. Even now, you can heal my marriage. Even now, you can restore that broken relationship. Even now, you can provide for me, God. Even now, you can continue to heal. Even now, you can set me free from insecurity and anxiety and shame and doubt. Even now, God, you can bring life to the dead areas in my life. Even now, kind of faith. So Jesus said to her, looks at Martha, he says, your brother will rise again. Martha answered. She had some knowledge about the events that Jesus taught about in the future. And she says, well, I know he's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're not getting it. You're thinking of the resurrection as an event in the future. And what I'm telling you and what I'm going to prove on the cross, that I am the resurrection. I am the life. That the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her a question that he's asking you today as well. Do you believe? Do you believe this? Martha, again, leans on her faith, not her feelings, and she says, Yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So Jesus says, even though he dies, he will live. Even though it seems like there's no hope, there's still hope. And Jesus asks us a question that I believe gets difficult to answer the older we get and the more life experiences we have. Will you continue to believe? Do you believe? Will you keep trusting me? Will you keep walking by faith and not by sight? Will you keep following me even when you don't see me? It's a choice we all have to make. And your response to that question will determine the amount that God can move in your life and your situation. Because we live by faith, not by sight. God responds to to faith. It said after he said this in verse 28 that they went back and she went and got Mary. And she said, he said, Martha goes, Mary, look, Jesus is back. Teacher's here. He's asking for you. And so Mary heard this. She got up quickly. She went out to him. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet. Right? She was, she was listen, that, look how amazing this is. She was the one who was already worshiping at Jesus' feet. She poured perfume, very expensive perfume, and preparation of what he was going to do on the cross. So she knows him. She's been in this position before. But yet this time, she has the same questions that Martha had. Lord, where were you? Jesus, you didn't show up. If you would have come, this wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have died. He says Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping. They were still in mourning and grieving Lazarus. And it says that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled by what he saw. And he asked, where is he? Where have you put Lazarus? And they said, come and see, Lord. And then in verse 35, it says this, that Jesus began to weep as well. And it's interesting because Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. So the only logical conclusion is that Jesus was weeping because he was moved by those that he loved and the pain that they were experiencing. That he allowed this to to play out the way it did because he had to glorify that, that he needed to receive the glory through their story so that many others would believe you and I today to have the opportunity to put our faith in Christ and and he's moved by their pain. 
and he's moved by your pain. Just because he hasn't done it the way that you thought doesn't mean he's not working. Doesn't mean he doesn't care. Listen, friend, he loves you. He gave his life for you. He's moved by what you're going through. Hebrews tells us that, that we have a great high priest who, who is sitting at the right hand of God, but yet he understands our weaknesses and what we're going through because even though he was fully God, he was also fully man. And he knows your pain. He knows what you're feeling right now. He knows what you're going through. It says Jesus deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says, take away the stone. And they object. Lord, he's been in there four days. Surely there's going to be an odor at this point. And then Jesus said again, he, he kind of speaks probably in a different tone here. And he says, listen, did I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? And this is where there had to become some practical steps to what they believed. Their faith had to be walked out. They said, he's going to stink. He's dead. And he said, go move the stone. You go. Jesus could have just went like this, right? But he said, you go and move the stone. Your faith has to become active for it to become effective. So he said, you got to walk this out. He says, I want to see, and I've told you that you're going to, I'm going to get glory through your story, but you got to do your part as well. So Martha, continue to trust, continue to maintain hope, and I will, and I can leverage all of this for my glory and for your good, if you'll keep trusting me. It says, so they did what he said. They took away the stone. Verse 41, and Jesus looked up and he said, Father, thank you for what you, that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Lazarus called Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, again, practically work this out. Go take off the grave clothes and let him go. What is the dead area of your life? That Jesus today is speaking to you. Come out. Where is he telling you, you got to walk this thing out? You said you believed, now it's going to be time to prove it. And if you will walk by faith and not by sight, if you will maintain hope and keep trusting, if you will move past your fears, if you will roll away the stone of your doubt and your discouragement and your insecurities, whatever it may be that's holding you back from God, You'll see God speak to the dead areas. Jesus could speak to a dead man that heard him. Surely he can speak into the dead areas of your life. Surely he can resurrect some things that you think seem impossible. He calls you out of them. And he says, don't stay stuck in what I've called you out of. Don't stay stuck in what I've called you out of. No matter how dead you feel, no matter how big your obstacle is, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He resurrects dead people who feel dead on the inside, makes them alive with second chances. He can resurrect dreams that have been killed by discouragement and disappointment. Jesus can speak into that failing relationship and career and bring hope where there seems to be no hope. You see, nothing and no one is impossible for God. 
if you will believe. So practically, how do we walk this out? First thing I would tell you to do is to draw close to God. When you draw close to God, you position yourself to hear from God so he can speak into those areas. When you draw close to God, you can gain a different vantage point of your life, a different perspective that you remind yourself that there's a different reality that you trust in, not just the one that you see, that God is good, God is great. You see, your pain in life will cause you to do two things. One, it'll cause you to pull away from God or it will push you closer to God. And it's your choice to make. When pain comes, it's inevitable. Jesus said, listen, you will face troubles, but don't be fearful. Don't give up. I've overcome the world. My death is going to prove that. So you're going to face stuff. But when you do, don't pull away. Push closer to me. I've been there, friend, where, where, where I prayed when our first child, she's eight now, but when she was born, I prayed every day over my wife's stomach. And spoke life and health and healing and development. And we had no clue that she was born, that she was going to be born with a rare heart defect. And then at five weeks old, she has open heart surgery. Believe me, I had my doubts. Believe me, I had my what if questions. And God, where are you? Why is this happening? But I knew because of my past experiences that I had a choice to make. I'll either push in and, and get closer to God or I'll pull away. Thankfully, I pushed in. And God saw us through that storm. Today, you can't get her to sit down, right? God was faithful. God wants your pain to be a catalyst that deepens your relationship with him, to pull you closer to him so you can hear his voice. But you gotta get close so that you can hear him. Silence the noise of this world so you can hear the voice of your Savior. He's speaking, he's calling out to you, come out, come near to me. Draw close to me. I will give you life. So then we focus on his promises. we got to look to God's word. Scripture says that Jesus endured the crucifixion because he was focused on the resurrection. It says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he wasn't focused on the cross. He was focused on what's coming after. Listen, whatever you're going through isn't the end of your story. There's more to come. God will be glorified if you remain faithful. And we can have hope because God is faithful to his promises. You can have joy. You can have peace despite what's going on around you when you remind yourself in the dark time that God can bring life even from death. Focus on his promises. And lastly, come out and don't go back. You gotta come out of the situation. You gotta come out of the dark place. You gotta take a step of faith into the light that God is calling you into. The gospel of Jesus is that he saves us. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't have to repay him. It is a gift given to you. That is what he did on the cross for you. But then our response to that grace is that we walk out in faith, our lives, in a response, in a salvation moment. We're saved, but then we make intentional choices to come out of our life, to come out of the dark place, to come out of the dead place, and to walk in new life. You've got to take off the grave clothes, Right? How silly would have been for Lazarus to go, oh, Jesus, what's up, man? It's been a while. I'm just going to go back, man. I was good. I like the way it used to be, right? No, it says he came out. Came out, he heard God calling, and he stepped out. He began to walk in new life. They took off those grave clothes, and maybe for some of you today, you've got to unwrap 
the spiritually dead areas of your life. You've got to let go of that addiction. You've got to walk away from the things of this world. Quit holding on to that stuff and embrace the love and the grace of God. Begin to walk out, get plugged into a local church, begin to serve, begin to give your life to Christ. He deserves it. Ephesians 4, it says, you've been taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You've got to make a choice to, to put it aside. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, we take off the old self, we put on the new self. It's what water baptism is here at Adventure Church. In two weeks we'll have water baptism celebration Sunday. I believe many of you, God's calling you to do that. It's time for you to to really bury your old self, to, to put it off and come up new in Christ. To walk in the newness that he offers Today, I hope you're encouraged to know this, hearing Lazarus' story, that you too can rise because Jesus has risen. Despite what you're going through, despite what's going on, despite what you're currently feeling, you can rise above. You can experience new life because of what Jesus did on the cross, just like Heather did. Let's take a look at her story. So I'm Heather Gavlak, and I've been coming to Adventure Church for about six months. Um, I found, actually a friend of mine told me about Adventure Church first, and then I wasn't super keen on just going to church because I'd never been to church. So I started watching church online, and uh, Kyle did a series on um, how we roll, and he said how we roll at Adventure Church is we... um, get involved and we come to life group and so I went online and I I found a life group and I showed up that next Tuesday morning and I walked in and everyone's like oh hello who are you and and um how long have you been coming to Adventure Church welcome and I'm like oh I've never been to Adventure Church I I watch you guys online and Kyle said I should join a life group so I was like okay I joined the life group and then um came to church that first Sunday and sat in the front and I mean it I left church that day I cried most of the service I left church that day and I got in my car and I was like this is this is it this is what I was missing and I cannot explain it typical week for me is insanity I mean, I have three kids, various ages. They're all in their own sports on different days at different times. We keep multiple schedules. I work full time and I work from home, so I'm here. They're running around and screaming and I'm on conference calls. My husband's gonna be home because he has to take the two to D1 and then I have to take one to dance and then the next day we have swim and then the next day we have tumbling and then we go back to swim and back to D1 and dentist appointments, orthodontist appointments, doctor's appointments, eye doctor appointments. Everything has to be just so and everything has to be perfect and if somebody needs it, I'm the first one to volunteer. And so um, about eight months ago, I mean, I crashed. I mean, we're talking like going on walks with my children and thinking life is too hard. Do I even want to do this anymore? And that's scary. It's scary to like think that I thought that way when I have, you know, three little babies that need me, that I didn't feel like I was the best thing for them. So 
you know, the depression got worse, so then I was like, this isn't working. And I was like, I told my husband, I said, no, maybe I need to be medicated. Maybe this is the end for me. Like, maybe I'm never gonna get better. And so one of my neighbors had always invited me to church. She's like, we actually tried this new church this week called Adventure Church. And she's like, they post their messages online. Like, you could just check them out online if you, you know, want to. So I did, and I started watching Kyle, like, consistently every week. And how bizarre is it that the first message I watched for Adventure Church was Breathing Room? And he said something to me that I think about all the time. He's like, some people, lucky people, when they hit rock bottom, they find out that the rock at the bottom is God. And they can build from that foundation. And he's like, build from that foundation. I think the one most honest thing that I can admit to myself is I was in a dangerous place. I was in a dark place. I was in a... I don't know if I can do this anymore place. And if it hadn't been for God, if it hadn't been for that feeling, that hope, that love that He gave me, that one moment, that one day, and now continues to give me every day, I really don't know if I would be here today. and Or at least I don't know if I would be in this position today. Happy, loved, joyful, you know. And and so for me, finding God saved my life. Quite literally. Because there were days when living seemed far too hard. Stand with me this morning. As we prepare to close out our time together, now we're going to sing the song that we sang earlier one more time just to allow God to do maybe what you've been needing him to do in your life. See, I love Heather's story because we can all relate in some way. Heather was just like you, but you know what Heather did? She came to a service like this and she gave God enough space to move so he could. She didn't resist him. She just said, God, I need you. And she'd never been to church before. And what she experienced in that moment was the Holy Spirit breathing life into a dead area. She was overwhelmed with anxiety and depression. And I'll never forget when I got to sit down and talk with her, she said it was crazy. It's like as soon as I hit the parking lot, it was like I was new. Something happened and I couldn't explain it. Since then, she's plugged into a group and gotten involved and God's doing a tremendous work in her life. Is it perfect? Is it always easy? No. But man, she has faith. God has done something remarkable. And friend, he can do it for you. He wants to do it for you if you'll give him space. He's calling out. Come out. Don't stay where you are. I have life for you.